Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my Slayer sister and partner Ananga Severe. We come together weekly on Skype to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you and answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page. And we love sharing a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. Today, we're going to discuss strategies for dealing with fearfulness around repetitive thoughts. Many thanks for your fantastic podcasts. I wondered if at some point you might be able to touch upon some strategies for dealing with fearfulness around repetitive thoughts and inward thinking, constantly having anxiety on your mind. I guess my anxiety has always been fairly thought-based in nature, often causing my mind to turn sharply inwards. It feels like I have a tentacle-like focus on myself, high self-awareness, and an almost obsessive desire to think about myself and the anxiety. I'd love to be able to come to terms with this symptom, but keep coming up against fearful thoughts such as, what if I can never have normal outward thought, or what if I get trapped inside my head forever? Or, oh no, I'm thinking about it again. It's got to the point that each time I wake and think about anxious thoughts, I get a sharp stab of fear, which can often trigger an uneasy relationship with my thoughts that last for much of the day. So anything about how to reestablish a positive and healthy relationship toward thoughts, even repetitive and inward ones, would be much appreciated. What a fantastic question. Right in your wheelhouse, Ananga. (laughs) It's a great question. And it reveals a very reflective mind, a very intelligent and inquisitive mind. And the trouble is when that gets mixed with anxiety, then you start studying your own anxiety. It's a very uncomfortable situation, but it is one you can work with. My direction in answer to this would be what's helped me greatly over the years, which is to look at Ayurveda, India's ancient science of living a long, peaceful and happy life, to look at Ayurveda's answers in discussing the nature of the mind and how to help control it and contain these kinds of thoughts. Ayurveda teaches that the mind forms grooves, much like a LP record for those of us old enough to remember them. Remember when I was a kid putting the stylus on the groove and the music starts to play. Ayurveda describes the mind forms grooves from our habitual thinking. So once you get caught in a negative thought loop of observing your own mind and experiencing your own anxiety, that kind of gets etched into your awareness. And if our thinking is affected by anxiety, our thoughts will fall repeatedly into those grooves. And the more it falls into them, the easier it is for it to fall into them. But it can be changed. It takes a little work and a little persistence. And I think the first thing that gave me great comfort from Ayurveda's vast knowledge of wisdom on this is to understand that you're not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You have thoughts, lots of them, and usually there's a few unpleasant ones mixed in there, but they're not you. Beyond your mind, Ayurveda teaches, is your intelligence, which you can use to direct your thoughts. And Beyond that is the real you, the soul, which is eternal and full of knowledge and happiness, according to Ayurveda. But when we become 
layered up with all these experiences, the mind gets snagged and it gets disturbed. So it's helpful to reflect on this. I'm not my mind, I'm not my body, and I'm not these awful thoughts. I am so much more than this, and now I'm going to start working with myself to direct these thoughts in a happier place. So when we use words like my mind to describe the mind, then we're defining the mind as an object that belongs to us, you know, like a coat, my coat, my pen, my leg, my hand. It's not us. If our hand's uncomfortable, we don't start feeling mentally uncomfortable about it because it's down there on the end of our arm and it doesn't involve our thinking. Our thinking is so much closer to us, it seems, but we are not our mind, we're not our thoughts. So learning this is a great relief and then we can start thinking about how we can direct our thoughts. And the direction piece is so important because once you become aware that you are the director, everything begins to change. Yeah, you get a sense of more control, of more choice, a place to interrupt your thoughts and a place where you can take a deep breath and pause for a moment and redirect them, divert them in a better direction. And she's talking about how the mind can turn inward on itself. And I know that we both feel that that's such a great understanding because the mind is our thinking apparatus and it can easily get stuck in our own bad press, negative predictions, or just outright panic and that looping mess that we can get into. And I know that the looping is something that I worked on for years to get beyond, to be able to say, wait a minute, that is not the groove. I'm taking the stylus out of the groove. <laughs> and now that I'm aware of that loop, I can say, wow, that is that is not true, or that is the old story, or the my favorite quote that I love to share is that your old story is not the only story, and that can apply to your mind so easily, and then you can say, oh, okay, well, there it is again. I think that's a very good point. This is not my only story, and, you know, these thoughts are unwelcome thoughts, but they're not my only thoughts. It's just that they carry so much of a habitual dread and an emotional intensity with them that they really get our attention. But it's a good exercise to start when you're having a happier thought, when you see a beautiful flower, when you have a nice conversation, when you're appreciating nature, when you're reading something uplifting, listening to something beautiful, to have some awareness of your thoughts about that and to do more of those things and to be more in tune with those things. So yeah, these are unpleasant thoughts, but they're not my only thoughts and they're certainly not my identity, and then to start getting some emotional distance from those inward-focused thoughts. Something I observed a few days ago, I was running some errands, and I was in a shopping centre, and I could hear this child in the distance screaming and shouting, and the closer I got, the louder it got. He was really going for it for a long time, and it was apparent he was having a bit of a tantrum, quite a big one, actually. <laughs> and uh, and then I could see him in the distance and I could see his mother and she was holding his hand and walking along. And as I walked past her, I smiled at her and I was surprised to notice that she smiled back and she looked quite relaxed. Her shoulders were down and she was just moving forward. She was holding the child's hand and he was going with her, but it was more by mental determination than physical exertion. She wasn't gripping him. She wasn't dragging him. She wasn't getting into it, basically. She was able to smile at somebody else. And she was just moving him along from A to B. And I thought it was a really good example 
because we often talk of the mind as being like an unruly toddler. And when a child's disturbed like that, if you get into it with them and you start making promises and you start trying to make deals with them, very often they end up on the floor kicking and screaming and we end up, we may be upright, but we might also be screaming because we get into it and it gives it more energy. So again, with the mind, if you can just with some detachment and determination, move through those thoughts and observe, he's having a tantrum. He's okay. He's not hurt. She certainly wasn't hurting him. He's upset for now. He's very frustrated for now. But that was all there was, labelling and observing that detachedly. And when we can do that with the mind, my mind, you are having some very unpleasant thoughts here. That's it. Because that is all they are, unpleasant thoughts. But when we become emotionally ensnared with them, then the physical symptoms come and then they get our attention and then they escalate and we fall in with them. I've found that mindful walking or walking meditation, mindful movement like yoga or even Tai Chi, and I know you do some Qigong as well, that these can help release stress from our body and and really help our mind create new pathways or new grooves under our own direction. Yeah, we can't think of nothing. We can't stop the mind thinking. It's going to think. Ayurveda teaches that our thoughts are linked to our breath. As long as we breathe, we'll have thoughts. But the more calmly we breathe, the more calmly we can influence our thoughts. So these practices are really helpful. Mindful walking is extremely helpful for anxiety. Gain yoga, particularly if you're working with awareness of your body, with awareness of your breath. And yeah, I've also uh, benefited greatly from Qigong, it's nice if you've got a teacher, you can go to a class or use a DVD or a you know, YouTube instructor that you feel comfortable with who can coach you through. You know, this question talks about developing more external focus. These practices aren't entirely externally focused, but they're not folded in on themselves in that place of suffering. It's a healthy awareness, an occupational therapy for the mind, which is really what it needs. And I think we also need to remember that blame is not helpful in any way, shape, or form. Don't blame yourself. Don't judge yourself or think of yourself as weak or stupid or in terms of what's wrong with you. That pattern of thought is something that I still work with. That voice will say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? you know, I can hear that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, where did that come from? And you trace it back and it's not even my voice and, and it might not be yours. So just allow yourself to say, hey, wait a minute, this is what it is. And I know what I need to do to support myself the best way I can, because what's happening in your mind is not you. It's not just you. Everyone's mind has the potential to do this. And most people are living with the same struggle to a greater or lesser degree. We just talk about it and bring it forward and, and try and give you the support you need so that you aren't suffering, so that you can put this to rest. Yeah, really important to talk about it, to have somewhere safe and confidential, if need be, where you can be open about it. And I will confess here and now that after 30 years of working with these techniques, my mind can be absolutely horrible to me. If I'm tired, if I'm overreached, or sometimes if I've been ill, 
it becomes unruly, disturbed, challenging anything good I try and do for myself, any practices that I find healing, it will criticize. And sometimes really awfully, really awfully. Mm. So it happens and it is the nature of the mind to be easily disturbed. And it does like to rear up and challenge us. It's natural. There are some days that will be easier than others. There are times that will be better than others. There will be days when we have a better handle on it than others, but we just have to keep in training, keep reapplying what helps. Notice what helps, keep doing it. And for me on those days, sometimes I just need a rest day. And sometimes I will literally say to my mind, okay, you're on one this morning. You know, we're both tired. You're tired. I'm tired. Let's have a rest day. And I'll do something like some coloring in, listen to some music, read something nice, make some tea, maybe watch something funny with my daughter, maybe then move on to something a little more structured, like some creative journaling, which is a good way to stop the mind turning in on itself and employ some immersive external focus. But don't climb in there with it because it's just a bad day. The mind is just having a bad day. And if you scrutinize it too much, it will grab you and pull you right into its hole. Again, that child example, it works for me very well. Or people talk about the monkey mind, the monkey mind that's jumping around from tree to tree, this banana, that thing, this problem, that problem. But we have to use conscious direction always. So one of the pitfalls of anxiety is we think, when will I be better? When will I be cured? Will it always be like this? And that is a symptom of an upset mind. It's actually part of the package. And we don't expect that our body's going to function perfectly for the rest of our lives. It needs maintenance, it needs washing, it needs feeding, it needs exercising. It's quite a bit of maintenance, but we don't think of the mind in terms of mental health and mental maintenance, but it does require it. Ayurveda teaches that the mind does very well with direction and determination. And in my favourite book, the Bhagavad Gita teaches that our mind can be our best of friends or our worst enemy. So we have to work with it. I really have enjoyed this question and having this conversation about how we can reestablish a positive and healthy relationship toward our mind. And there's so much we can do to calm our thoughts and to bring our mind back into balance. So as to recap, know that you are not your thoughts. Know that your mind is a thinking apparatus, and it can get stuck in bad press and negative predictions. Just know that that's a part of what the mind does. Make time for mindful walking or mindful movement. And really important, don't blame yourself. Don't judge yourself. This is not just you. Everyone's mind has the potential to get out of sorts. There will be days that are easier than others, and that's natural for all of us. Yeah, and I would add to that, get some emotional distance, step back from your thoughts, learn to observe them more objectively. If you have an unpleasant thought, you can label it unpleasant thought. Just label it and let it float where it needs to float. And to notice what helps and keep doing it to form those better grooves. And it is a useful example to think of old-fashioned record and Nudging your stylus onto a different track. If it's stuck on an unhappy, unpleasant groove, nudge it onto a happier place with comedy, happy music, mindful cooking, going for a walk, calling a friend, doing something creative, 
have a few of those other tracks available that you can nudge onto on your internal playlist and keep doing them. You can find out more about how you can deal with anxiety around repetitive thoughts in our How to Heal Your Fragile Mind course, where we cover this in more depth and have some guided exercises for calming unwelcome thoughts and helping you observe your mind without getting caught up in its energy. You can find that at anxietyslayer.com forward slash support.